Last week of work for 2021. Holy shit. Oh, man, I, I am dragging myself across this particular finish line, man. Yeah, I'm picturing uh, like SpongeBob. I don't know. You know those animations where he's like dragging himself through the sand. Like his arms go really long and then he has to like pull his body up. Like his arms sort of spring forward. You know what uh-huh. I'm like an inchworm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like an inchworm. <laughs> uh-huh. That's me right now. That's you face dragging across in the, the carpet. Pavement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Welcome to episode 422 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another episode. Brian, how you doing? Hanging in. We've been doing prep for this for like an hour and a half now, so I'm kind of ready to record. We've been talking. Uh, yeah, we have quite the meaty main topic today. Yeah, it'll it'll all make sense. We did a lot, lot of brainstorming for this episode. Probably could have done another hour's worth, but we had to stop at some point, so... Yeah, we're getting on a roll by the time I was like, all right, we got to record. Yeah. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Just trying to uh, keep the energy up through this last week before I take my, my long winter hibernation. Yeah. Maybe for people who don't know, explain how you've structured your year, because it is fairly unique. I don't think most people do this. Uh, yeah, luckily I've created kind of a, a precedent for myself and, and done it enough <laughs> years now that people expect it of me, but I basically work for 11 months, January through November. And then I take mid-December through early mid-January off every year. Solid three or four weeks. Like 30 days, basically 30 contiguous days. It's nice. It's compelling. Uh, I just can't grind that long throughout the year. I need a break, you know, June-ish. I'm I'm more of like a quarterly. Like I need a quarterly uh, handful of days off. You just bundle them all up right at the end. Well, you know, there's American holidays are pretty evenly sprinkled out throughout the year. There's a couple droughts, but that's true for the most part. You get your little breaks and sometimes you get a long weekend or Google is really good about giving out a wellness day here and there. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I I get rested enough and, you know, I have enough gas for about 11 months and then start to run out of gas towards the end. The the difference is, Brian, the older I get, the earlier I start to run out of gas. Uh Like, you know, about early November now, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, one more month. We We can get there. We can get there. And it used to be make it all the way to December, no problem, dust off my hands, be done with it, but uh, no longer. Old man Marshall losing (laughs) his spark. Yeah, but it's still a great method. It works for me pretty well. Like I I can keep up the energy for the most part during that 11 months, and then having that long break, it really lets me recharge and get motivated and re-energized for the next 11 months. Well, it's awesome. I'm excited to record mid-break for you, and we'll see how everything's going. Check in on... On all the content consumption. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of shows and movies will be watched. Lots of games will be played. Lots of hours will be slept, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, dig in because we do have a lot to get through. Before we do, huge shout out to Patreon for making this episode possible. Patreon is hiring. They want you, listeners. Yes, you. Product designers, they want you to join them. They're hiring product designers in San Francisco and New York City to lead teams have a huge impact, basically build the future of creator tools at Patreon. We love and use Patreon. We've been on the platform for two years. Uh, We've been building the podcast on it for, yeah, just over two years, started in 2019, and now have hundreds of patrons, Patreons on our Patreon. It's also the tool that we use to support our favorite creators on the web. And to join them today is to join a very small team, a team with tons of impact and leverage in the things that you do every single day. They're looking for someone, again, to lead the entire creator experience, building tools for videographers, writers, and even podcasters like us. You could even potentially have us as usability testers. We would love to look at what Patreon's working on and give you feedback early. Their culture is undergoing a massive shift right now where craft is the name of the game. Their bar has been raised. You can check out their latest iOS app to see what they've been shipping. And uh, I have gotten a sneak peek of some of the stuff coming to the web. Uh, I don't want to get anyone in trouble here, but let's just say good stuff coming to the web very soon. At the end of the day, Patreon is at the heart of the creator economy. They've been around for eight years. They support more than 250,000 creators who collectively have over 8 million patrons And if you join them today, you'd be joining some of the best designers, engineers, and product leaders in the industry. 
They're also right now just digging in to what the implications are of Web3 and crypto on the creator economy and what those movements actually mean for people who sell stuff on the internet. So this could be an opportunity to truly get in on the ground floor of those movements. Patreon, they're hiring. They want you to join them. If you want uh, a new opportunity at a great company, go to designdetails.fm slash Patreon. Learn more, apply for a job. We're also going to have a couple more links in the show notes to more information about Patreon's culture and their product. So please click those, check them out. And once again, it's designdetails.fm slash Patreon. Thanks, Patreon. All right, huge shout outs to our Golden Ratio supporters this week. First up, Simply. Simply Simply.io Simply has a feature called Pulse, which is a version tracking application for Figma that lets you and your team clearly understand what's going on, even with hundreds of frames, components, and design files, and answers the most painful questions about who changed what and why, adding context to all of your design decisions. You can find Pulse in the Figma community and learn more at simply.io. That's S-Y-M-P-L-I dot I-O. Thanks, Simply. And last but not least, shout out to Play. Play is the first native iOS design tool made for teams who create mobile products, making it possible to design, prototype, and collaborate directly from your phone. Play lets you tap into all the native iOS features like maps, input text, date pickers, and many more uh, native APIs that aren't available in other design tools. You can download Play from the App Store, and the first 25 people who click the link in the show notes will get a full access invite from the Play team. You can learn more at createwithplay.com. Get it on your phone. Click the link in the show notes, and the lucky 25 of you are going to get in. Start playing with it. It's really nice. Go play with Play. Go play with Play. Uh, (laughs) Dare we say create with Play. Thanks, Play, for supporting the show. Thanks, Play. We also have uh, two, count them, Two very important pixels joining the fam this week. Welcome in to Siddharth, Chitani, and Norma. Hey, welcome, welcome to the fam. Be sure to catch your uh, first sidebar this week. If you didn't know, we're a listener-supported podcast, which means that every week, listeners like you join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash design details, where for just a buck a month. Just a buck a month? Just a smackaroo. Every 30 days, you get access to a double episode dare I say, a bonus episode of the Design Details Podcast. We call that bonus episode The Sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. And it's an extra listener question, an extra design topic. For example, this week we are talking all about the design challenge stage of the design interview process. How do you do that design challenge, knock it out of the park, that and more in this week's Sidebar. Of course, if you support us on Patreon, you'll get access to our whole backlog of all past Sidebars Basically count as like another 100 episodes, something like that at this point. Uh, and of course, all future sidebars going forward. So if you want to hear us talk about more design stuff, that sounds like it's interesting for you. Head to patreon.com slash design details and uh, consider supporting the show. It's just a dollar a month. Get some podcasts in your ears. So thank you everyone who is a part of the fam already. And uh, welcome Siddharth and Norma to yeah. the fam. Welcome to the fam. Let's get into it, Brian. Two tiny pieces of follow-up. First, Marshall, the day that we are recording this, Monday, December 6th, is one day after the seven-year anniversary of the first teaser of Design Details. Just wanted to call that out. Wow. Seven years of this. And I was trying to think, you're at three and a half years? I, yeah, well, is when did two and I start? Or three and a half. You started at episode 256, so that's my count. 257, I think. 257, okay. Yeah. And we've been doing it once a week, more or less, so that's three and a, three and a quarter years, let's call it call it that yeah about three and a quarter years that's crazy pretty nuts huh it's flying by uh but little milestones thought i'd call that out seven years of this god dang podcast crazy uh one other piece of follow-up marshall last week spotify dropped their spotify wrapped for 2021 which is always an interesting moment i don't know i feel like everyone looks at them some people share them i looked through mine was kind of surprised by my results but anyways that is neither here nor there what was really cool was people screenshotting their most listened to podcasts for 2021 and seeing design details on there. And they were tweeting at us, uh, sending us screenshots of their Spotify wrapped. And I got to say, it was really cool. It was very fun. Marshall and I were trading Twitter links back and forth. And it's just really exciting. So if we ended up on your Spotify wrapped, let us know. It's super fun for us to see that. Feels good. But otherwise, yeah, thanks everyone who who did tweet that. We We see them. We appreciate it. And it's really cool. Super, super fun to see those. Heartwarming every time, Brian. Yeah. Okay, main topic time. Marshall, this week we have a great question from uh, listener James Bartlett, who opened their 
first issue in the design details repo. Once again, put it on the perf. The title is just Share Frustrations. Uh, James continues, frustrations with existing products got me into design. As you guys have new Macs, perhaps now is a good time to share your frustrations with macOS and ideate on ways to mitigate. For example, I'd love to see an inbox for AirDrop. Currently, everything AirDrop gets dropped into the downloads folder with no way to sort by sender, etc. So I read this question. I was like, okay, we could spend some time talking about macOS. But I just feel like I'm frustrated by so many more things. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I don't know. Do we call this the complain episode? Um, <laughs> this week, we are going to be talking about our frustrations with modern software design. And uh, like we mentioned in the intro, we brainstormed for a while on this, but there's certainly no way we will be able to list all of the things that we are frustrated with. So maybe let's just go ahead and pre-put out the call to action for other people to please tweet at us, send us messages with your frustrations with modern software so we can include them in in a follow-up later on. Yeah, man, doing the brainstorm for this, it was kind of like pushing a boulder downhill. It was a little hard to get started, but once we did, it was like, all right. Let's, oh yeah, let's, and this thing, and this, thing, yeah, and this yeah. thing. Yeah. All right. So yeah, we I think, have. Quite I think we have list. over twenty bullet points. So at this point, it's more like, how do we get through this efficiently without rabbit holing on each one and making this an insufferable complaint episode? <laughs> do you want to start? Sure. Yeah, and, and maybe this isn't software like you know OS software necessarily, but websites. But scroll jacking, man. I hate scroll jacking. Stop it's doing that. Still a. Th- thing man it is still a thing you know the most recent example was somebody sent to me i think fam of the pod gabe Valdivia sent to me winamp.com did you see they they remade their website i think winamp is making a comeback or something oh man i would okay i would kind of love to see that just to see the yeah. skins that people come uh-huh. up with today okay if you go to winamp.com their website is buck wild because i shit you not they took out the scroll bar and put a scroll bar on the page in the bottom right corner. It's like a line with a little white dot. Uh-huh. And if, if you sit, open the page and don't do anything, it like moves the dot up and down, like telling you to scroll. Anyways, th- they removed the whole scroll bar. So you can't, there's not a native scroll bar that you can grab and scroll around. And every single thing on this page is scroll jack. I you can't even it. grab the the thumb on the slider and scroll down. When you hover over it, it gives you the pointer cursor. Yeah, it gets a little bit bigger when you hover, it's, but you can't it. Scrolls drag it scrolls you to the top. Dude, this website, I'm so sorry if you work at Winamp and listen to this and design this website. I'm sure the whatever you're making is going to be dope, but my goodness gracious, this website is really, really frustrating to use. So <laughs> scroll jacking, still a thing. Stop doing it, please, everybody. Please. Oh, my Atlanta. All right. Okay. So that's number one. Scroll jack. Number one. Easy. Low-hanging fruit. Great start. Okay. This next one, uh, this is going to be a big umbrella, but I have a specific example because this happened to us last week. So iCloud sync, but I think maybe even the broader umbrella is just cloud syncing services when they don't work. So here's what happened last week. Every week I record and I put my file in iCloud Drive or whatever, iCloud files, and I wait for it to finish uploading. And then I right-click, copy link, send to Marshall. Marshall has my audio. Great. Uh, Last week's episode, it just got stuck and the progress bar said, you know, uploaded 800 megabytes out of 800 megabytes. So clearly full. Progress bar was full. But the the little dialogue wouldn't go away. Couldn't right-click, copy, and share a link. Couldn't do anything. Restarted my computer. Tried looking on my phone. It didn't sync to my phone. Turned on off and on my Wi-Fi. Like, did all this stuff. Nothing worked. So what I had to do is like we went to some fucking, I don't know, website. We transfer? We transfer, okay. Anyways, this has always bugged me. And and you know, it's one of the compelling reasons to go back to Dropbox. I just don't like Dropbox. But with Dropbox, they would pre-generate a URL for you while it's uploading. So it could be uploading, you could copy a link and send it to someone. And if they went to that link before it finished uploading, you know, they would just see a screen that says file is currently uploading iCloud doesn't do that. But there's also other times, I don't know if, if you've ever experienced this, Marshall, especially now that you're on a uh, two-laptop setup like I am. So I'm on two laptops, iPad, two phones, one for testing, one for personal. Messages, notes, files, all of these things, I feel like it's just super inconsistent the way they come in. Maybe messages is the worst offender, but there's just something about cloud syncing that hasn't been fixed. So the next one, one pattern that has emerged that I'm not a huge fan of is this whole movement towards creating magic links for signing into services. 
I think I get why this is useful for maybe normies, but for nerds who use password managers, it's so frustrating. It's like I have this whole workflow and keyboard shortcuts memorized to quickly log into all my shit. And then you're trying to log into some website and they say, enter your email. We've sent a link to your email. Then you got to switch apps, sign in, switch accounts, especially if you're on your work laptop and like defaults to the wrong Google account. Okay, switch in the top right corner, go to Gmail. Anyways, all these magic links, just let me create a password. Like I know what I'm doing. I'm going to create a good password. I promise. But anyways, it's becoming a big trend and I find it to be pretty frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks every time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Another one. This one's going to be so specific. Um, but if anyone else out there has ever experienced this, they know how bizarre it is. I have a Epson printer and actually it's like a printer and scanner combo. I was using it to scan a bunch of photos into my computer last summer. Anyways, they have a software update flow on Mac OS where after you update to the latest version, they just say, hey, we're pretty sure that you want all of our shit in your dock. And I think they have like three different services, maybe two, two or three different services, and they force them into the dock on the far left anytime you update your software. It's super intrusive. Don't know why they do that. Uh, but yeah, Epson, shame on you. Don't do that. This is We've talked about this on previous episodes of like, you think you're helping, but you're making everything worse. Right? It's just annoying. Like you're creating more loathing in me as a customer of you. Like now, now I'm a customer who hates being one of your customers because you've tried to yeah. help me out so much by putting this stuff in my dock. <laughs> Anyways, imagine a person at a grocery store that's like literally following you down every aisle, saying, "Can I help you find anything?" It's like, no, no, no. I'm I know what I'm doing. I know how to do this. <laughs> I know where my stuff is on my computer. It's clippy. Clippy. Okay, next one. This one doesn't bother me as much, but it feels more like something that Apple needs to address, which is I think every app I've downloaded in the last couple of years realizes how deep of OS access they can get if they get users to um, enable them in the accessibility preferences. So a lot of apps, especially like screen recording apps, so you know, CleanShot, Zoom, anything where you could share a screen or record a screen, they need accessibility permissions on macOS. So everyone's seen this flow. Open system preferences, and then go to accessibility, then click the lock in the bottom left corner, then enter your computer password, then click the check mark next door icon, then blah, blah, blah. I think everybody is taking advantage of that now. And that feature has become really bloated. And it's pretty scary because I think apps are getting that because it's almost like a catch-all. Like if you get access to the accessibility permission, you can do a lot of stuff in the future without having to ask for subsequent permissions. And so it feels like Apple should stop this and have a dedicated section that's for specifically screen sharing or screen capture tools so that these tools don't get deep access to my operating system when really all I want is the screen sharing. Anyways, that's a, a trend I've noticed that I think is troubling, but I haven't seen any like huge consequences yet. But if I had to guess, that's one thing that we should watch out for. Like in the future, some app will get hacked and they will use that accessibility permission to to do something nefarious on the OS. Yeah, I'm looking, I only have three, four, five apps in there and they all make sense. Mm. System preferences is in there. Why does system preferences need to be in its own? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's kind of recursive. Anyways, this next one is mine. Ah, okay, this is when we were still pushing the boulder a little bit. So I don't know if this bothers anybody else, but like column overload. So I feel like, mm. especially with Monterey, the idea of having like a expanding and collapsing sidebar, especially when you already have a kind of main detail layout where you already have columns and potentially there's a column that could appear on the right side or one even inside the detail view. Like you end up just with a column after column. It ends up looking like Finder if you use columns mode, which I do. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a nice mm -hmm. way to browse files, but it's not a great way to like do every single app. And I feel like a lot of apps are doing that. I'm looking at notes right now. This is what we do our show notes in or like our, our outlines beforehand. And it's just column after column. Yeah, you can get up to four dedicated columns and then five if you have the like view activity sub column. It can get pretty crazy. Yeah. I don't know. Like, let's get better at information architecture. We just don't have to do column after column. Anyways, it's just a matter of time until some jackass turns their personal website into a multi column layout with like the three column list oh detail. Oh my God. Uh. I didn't realize that. I feel it's a little <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> Sorry. It's totally fine. Uh, 
I agree. Okay. Um, all right. The next one's me. Uh, getting cutesy with the keyboard shortcuts that are well established, right? So, like, mm-hmm. you got a, mm-hmm. a, a function that has a well defined keyboard shortcut, like bold is Command B. Right, Command B is what that should be, and in your your text app, I'm just making this up. This is an exa- actual example, but bold is like Control O or some shit. It's like <laughs> yeah. don't get cutesy with it because maybe maybe something else is dedicated to Command B, but and that's more important. Uh-huh. Like mm, don't override the the main ones. Yeah. Leave the main ones alone. Yeah, you know you got to give Figma credit where credits due. When they were at the very beginning competing with Sketch. They pretty much kept every single keyboard shortcut that Sketch had, which, to their credit, made transitioning so much easier. Mm-hmm. And I, I think even Sketch also borrowed a lot from like Photoshop. Like I think they had a similar chain there. There's a lot of Photoshop keyboard shortcuts that still exist, right? Oh yeah, there's there's a whole inheritance chain of keyboard shortcuts history. Yeah, yeah that, that that goes back past Photoshop, I'm sure. Decades, decades. Yeah. yeah. But uh, even then, like talking about Figma, like they had to contend with being on Chrome initially too, right? Like they're in a browser which has its own global keyboard shortcuts, so you got to work around it with. Well, it can't be Command this; it's got to be Shift that option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, don't get cutesy with your shortcuts. Okay, next one is me. Uh, boy, I don't even know where to start with this one. I think Apple TV is phenomenal, but the way Apple TV handles user accounts is oh. <laughs> I mean, you're la- it's a joke. Like, I want the promise of accounts where my sort of suggested content is always for me. But here's the thing. I go home a lot. Like, I spend a lot of time at home with my parents, and so I want all my accounts there. So we have Apple TV accounts for me, for my parents, and then my other siblings. And yeah, anyways, we end up... Actually, I think we've just got it down to two, just me and my parents. But the things that are persisted across user accounts and the things that are different, it's really inconsistent. So... For example, having the different user accounts is great if you remember to switch them, but none of the paid services are shared. So, for example, my parents will go to watch a movie and it'll just go to default to my account and it'll use all of my payment information to buy the thing through my iTunes. I don't know exactly the solution here, but something's clearly wrong. Like nobody can remember to switch accounts. And honestly, switching accounts is super annoying. Like it is pretty annoying even at home. Like every time you open an app, Who's watching? And you have to, you know, it's not such a big deal if you're at home with if it's just you. But as soon as you get into family sharing and you actually care about your content suggestions, it gets pretty annoying. Um, here's here's my hypothesis. You know how on iOS we had Force Touch that became 3D Touch that became Long Press, and even most Long Press gestures are kind of frowned upon these days. Long Press is undiscoverable. It should be considered a power user feature. Anything that you want Long Pressable should have some other way to get access to that functionality. And account switching requires a long press on the TV remote. You can do it through settings, but you got to go like super deep through settings to change. Yeah, you either dig through the settings. I don't know about the new remote, but certainly all the Siri remote, which is what I'm still on. You have to long press the TV icon. Again, super unintuitive. It's so funny, like explaining this to my parents. They're like, okay, like we're happy to try and switch accounts. How do we do it? Okay, look at your controller and there's an icon that looks like a TV. Yeah. Hold that down. Like, I don't know, just isn't super intuitive. But anyways, that's mine. Apple TV user accounts. Oh, okay. Next one is mine as well. iOS Safari viewport height changing. Boy, oh boy, is it frustrating to build websites for mobile Safari. I don't think I need to say more than that. Anyone who's ever had to do it feels my pain. That viewport be changing. Although I think there are some some updates to the CSS spec that are coming that will make this better, hopefully. Um, basically, it's impossible to like, nearly impossible to have bottom positioned element on mobile Safari because it's always either going to be behind the iOS Safari Chrome or uh, just jumping up and down. I don't know. It's really frustrating. Hmm. So much for fixed footers. Uh-huh. All right. This next one's a little bit shared because you came up with it, but uh, I think I'm more fervently uh, <laughs> opposed to this idea of games selling basically an alpha build and then patching afterwards or having like a huge day one patch that fixes all the things that should have been fixed before and they launch way too early and then for the next month or two they end up fixing all the things that should have been available at launch or adding things in DLCs that should have been part of the main game. Hate that shit. I thought this would just be a growing pain thing, but it's been so many years now. I think all of the shoot 'em ups Call of Duty, those games are particularly bad at this where 
they're on a yearly release schedule. And what will happen is they'll ship in their October release day. And on day one, they're like, you know, buy the $90 version. And in two months, you'll get access to two new maps. It's like, that's just the game. Like, yeah, just sell me the pass. game. Yeah. Yeah, that's why every game's got to be online now is because you got to be able to sell season pass and microtransactions. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah, blah. All right. A uh, couple small ones going back to website land. I don't know, Marshall. I don't want to. I don't want to poo-poo on artistic websites. I love that there are people that really push the web forward and do crazy shit in the browser. But I've noticed. Uh, okay, you know, like all the awards websites where it's like app of or website of the day or most beautiful website of the year, and they're always kind of linking. It tends to be like agency websites or like crazy portfolios. And all of them are horribly unusable. And the way I can tell I'm about to get into one of those is um, because I feel like I've been transported back to the year 2004 where you click the link to the website and there is a centered like loading bar that's like booting up the website. The welcome page, splash screen. It feels, it feels like 2004, like loading the flash files, right? Yeah, press to um, enter. And almost always, those same websites are the websites that just make your computer take off into the stratosphere and spin mm. your fans. Not so much a problem on the new computers, but certainly on the older ones. It's like, oh shit, I accidentally clicked this link and now my computer's going to crash for the next 10 seconds. Whoops. And those are the websites that are winning all these awards for like being creative and artistic and using the medium in interesting ways. Anyways, I'm not a fan, but I don't want to poo-poo too much on yeah, it's a uh, creative stuff there. I feel like a lot of that is like tech demo, right? It's not yeah, meant to yeah. be. It's a concept car. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, uh, another one, Marshall. This one drives me nuts. I'm so. This is a fun. This is a fun. <laughs> okay. Just good rants. We're just ranting. Um, Lyft is the company that did this most recently. Although the the virus has spread, and that is companies that are now using push notifications to deliver marketing content. I think Uber Eats is a particularly bad offender. DoorDash has even gotten into this. And it sucks because it's explicitly an app store policy that you're not supposed to use push notifications to send marketing messages. Even Apple started doing it. I think I started getting push notifications for like, get two months free of Apple Arcade and all this kind of stuff. And it's really frustrating because all these companies, they turn them on by default and you have to drill through a million layers of settings to turn them off. Again, Lyft, I think, is one of the worst here. Uh, you have to go to like their privacy settings, and then in privacy settings, you find some toggles for different push notifications types. And one of the types is marketing. Somehow this gets by the App Store checkers. I don't, I don't understand it. Anyways, I feel like it's that kind of behavior. It's, what do you call it, like tragedy of the commons. Like They work, so then everybody does them, and so then everybody's notifications suck. So then Apple has to come along and be like, all right, we're going to build focus modes and time sensitive <laughs> notifications yeah. and they layer on all of these rules and options and settings blah 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 because everybody took advantage of these push notification systems uh, and just spam the shit out of the world and so i find that really frustrating because i don't know i think some people really like the new focus mode stuff but for me it took what used to be simple and made it incredibly complex added a lot of setup steps and just put a ton of options in place. And I think it was partially, obviously they have other jobs that are being solved with focus modes, but anyways, I think partially it's to solve some of this stuff. Like they had to introduce the concept of time sensitive notifications because everyone was just turning shit off and then missing the actual important stuff. So that's a sad trend that I'm disappointed to see in modern software. Well, uh, we're about halfway through. Maybe it's, maybe it's time for a good like anti rant to piggyback off of what you were just saying is, uh, okay. A cool thing of mine a while ago was Duolingo, and uh -huh. I was keeping up with it, and then I wasn't keeping up with it, and kind of haven't uh -huh. been keeping up with it lately. But uh -huh. I just got a notification the other day that said, hey, uh, looks like these notifications aren't working. We're going to stop sending them for now. And I was like, that's oh. the oh. coolest thing ever, right? Nice. It's like, you've been sending me notifications for a while. Obviously, I haven't been acting on them. You recognize that. And then you told me, like, hey, it's cool. I'll stop bugging you. See you when I see you. Thank you very much, Duolingo. That's exactly what I needed. I'll happily come back now, right? This is the opposite of the thing. Like, I'm happy to be a customer in the future. You left this bridge intact. You know what that just reminded me of? There is a designer who recently joined GitHub named JC, 
And JC worked on a company before this called Blinkist. And it's so cool. I got to interview JC and one of her case studies that she presented was from Blinkist where they were working on their sign-up flow or like the onboarding flow. And one of the things that she designed and they introduced in their product is they have a, a seven-day free trial, but they introduced a push notification on day six that said, hey, day seven is tomorrow. We're going to bill you tomorrow. If you want to cancel, now's the time to do it. Because obviously you can imagine on a lot of trialed products, People would subscribe, forget, and then get billed. And then that goes through customer support, overloads customer support. That, that's the whole idea. They hope you'll forget. Yeah. Yeah. But hmm, if you are an ethical designer, you can actually just bypass that whole shitty flow and remind people like, hey, we're about to bill you just a heads up. If you don't want to be billed, if you're not using the product, now's the time to, to cancel. Tap here to cancel, right? Like really cool. So I think there are people doing good work here. All right. So let's leave our island of, of happy... <laughs> opposite of frustrations <laughs> with modern software and delve back into the deep, deep abyss of what is super frustrating. I think I have the next one. And that is uh, kind of similar to what we've been talking about. Companies that send you marketing emails and then when you click on the unsubscribe button at the bottom, hopefully they have one. <laughs> but if they do have one, then you have to type in your email address again after you get that. Uh-huh. And hit. Even worse, uncheck a bunch of things uh-huh. and then uh-huh. save your changes. You know what I hate is they very intentionally word those calls to action super ambiguously. So it's like the check marks will just say, it'll be like subscriptions and it'll have 10 check mark boxes and they'll all be checked and the button will say update. And it's like, hang on, I came from a link called unsubscribe. So if I if they're checked and I hit update, is it unsubscribing from the checked selection? Or do the check marks represent my current subscriptions and I uncheck them and hit update to unsubscribe? Man, I hate that. It's so annoying. Can I piggyback and just say like any dark pattern like this in unsubscribing or downgrading is incredibly frustrating. I think Adobe is particularly bad about this. I know the New York Times and New York uh, Times, yeah, yeah. Wall Street Journal infamous. are really bad about this. You got to yeah, call. Like, you have to call between 8 and 5 p.m. Eastern time on weekdays. I don't know the latest. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think that might be illegal soon, or at least in some areas, people are trying to make that illegal. They're trying to implement some rule. It's like it has to be equally easy to unsubscribe as it is to subscribe. Obviously, the wording there is going to be really fuzzy and up to interpretation, but I think somebody in legislation out there is trying to fix this. Yeah. If you have to call to unsubscribe, you had to have called to subscribe in the first place. If you can if, if you can subscribe on a computer, you should be able to unsubscribe on a computer. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, cool. Next one. This is just a minor one. A little quirk. Uh, but there's a lot of software that doesn't use correct input types. And so, you know, you enter your phone number. Okay tap the input and then it opens your alpha keyboard it's like ah (laughs) oh don't do that just give me the the phone number keyboard yeah enter the six digit otp here's qwerty yeah 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 um there's also ones where like you can say that a field takes first name last name address and i've found a lot of websites will like have mixed uses of that which is particularly annoying on the phone because on the phone you get these like nice auto suggestions right like the operating system will pre-populate from your contact information. So you can just tap your name and it auto-progresses to the next field. And then the next one won't have that. So then you have to manually type it. Anyways, I think that all that stuff's kind of pretty annoying. Yep. Uh, another one I wrote down, I feel like every app these every days, app. every single one, you're like, what's new? Yeah. What's that company been working on? I oh, want to try some new stuff. Yeah, what's new? I'm going to read the release notes. And every release note from now, you know, back five years, Bug fixes and performance improvements. Bug fixes and performance improvements. (sighs) Bug fixes and performance improvements. Bug fixes and performance improvements. (laughs) It's really annoying. Some of them will get cute with it. Like, I think Duolingo is kind of cute with it. Like, um, Duo, our Al, has been busy munching on his favorite snack, bugs, blah, blah, blah. Here's the stuff we fixed, you know? But (gasps) yeah, yeah, it's usually so generic. Copy pasta every single time. And it's funny because, well... It's kind of sad, actually. It's because nobody reads release notes anymore because most apps on most phones are just auto-updated these days, so it's not worth putting the time in. And they're super but, buried on iOS now. Like you got to dig a couple buried. menus deep. But nerds love them. And so if you're building a tool for nerds, a la GitHub, uh, the release notes matter. So we actually put quite a bit of time into our release notes. Um, I know Medium also used to do this. I don't know if they still do. But Medium used to have funny release notes. I'm pretty sure they had like a comedian slash PM 
writing all of their release notes and they were very, very good and memorable and added character. Yeah. 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 So it's sad that that trend, you know, the trains go in one direction. I think release notes as a pattern are dying, but Hmm. you know what I like is, uh, Apollo does the in-app what's new when there's an update come in, there's a dialogue and and a scrolling thing with a nice illustration at the top showing you the new app icon that's in this update bulleted list all the way down minutiae and you can say okay got it or you can read through all that stuff it's wonderful ios does this when there's a full os update you get that three bullet point thing with icons it's funny i don't know i like the apollo one but i don't like the apple ones i think the apple ones are too generic yeah. yeah the apollo one you can tell someone typed it and often they're really personal like fix this bug that so-and-so reported about this. It's like very human. I like that. Still, it's nice to see that because because it's so buried, it's nice to see it when I come into the app to know what's new. That might bug some people, but anyways. I could see it bugging some people. Maybe that he has a, has a way to turn it off. But I feel like for most nerds, and certainly I would guess that most Redditors are skew nerdy, it is candy. It's like, oh, new things for me to play with, new new options for me to try. It's really fun. You're an iOS user. You are downloading a third-party Reddit app. Yeah, you're probably pretty you're narrow. <laughs> okay, uh, when AirPods don't connect to the right device. Yeah. I don't, I don't need to say much more there. Yeah, that's pretty annoying playing that dance. Uh, I'll piggyback on that. When uh, the HomePod tries to connect, I have a HomePod mini sitting on my desk, which is great as an external speaker for uh, my monitor that doesn't have speakers on it. And every now and then I'll be leaning over my desk and get my phone too close to that HomePod and it'll start <laughs> bumping at me doing its little haptic thing. Like, oh, bump, 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 no, bump, no, bump. no. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you want to connect to this HomePod? Like, no, no. And it's modal too. The little pill that comes down from the top, it takes over control of the entire screen. So you have to tap mm. off or like, I don't even think you can swipe it away. I don't think it respects that gesture. You have to tap off and then get back to doing whatever you're trying to do. And like a couple seconds later, bup, 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 bup. hey, do you want to you know, connect to this HomePod? I can connect to this HomePod if you want to play music. No, I'm just trying to answer yeah. this email. Strong clippy vibes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, another Apple one. This one is pretty niche, but has gotten me and has gotten my family. It's very frustrating. So if you are on a computer with Touch ID enabled, so any of the new laptops, and you're using your laptop in clamshell mode, so your lid is closed. Okay, you go to the Apple website, you want to sign in, check your account, check on the delivery status for an order. You sign in, it says sign in with your Apple ID, you enter your Apple ID email, hit enter, and what it does is it pops up a little dialogue that normally asks for Touch ID, which is great, super convenient, I don't need to remember my Apple password. Except if your lid is closed, your clamshell mode, Touch ID falls back to password. So. You're in a state where the dialogue has said, sign in with your Apple ID. It then asks for a password, but it is asking for your computer's password, not your Apple password. And this is very, very confusing because it's very, seems like they want you to type your Apple password, but they don't. So anyways, I hit that all the time because I'm mostly clamshelling when I'm at home. So, All right, next one. I don't know if you've ever played around with this before, but if you ever go into the menus at the top of macOS and I'm in notes right now and I clicked on the window drop down and when I hold the option key, it gives me a bunch of different options that I didn't have before. Some of them are just variations of an existing item in there, but some of them are really useful. Like for example, if you right click on an icon in the dock, you get like quit, hide, stuff like that. But if the app is frozen or pinwheeling, there's no good way. Like quit won't actually quit it sometimes. And you need to force quit. And the only way to force quit is to hold that option key and turn quit into force quit. But that's not very discoverable for very many people. Unless you know about it, you're just stuck there hoping the pinwheel goes away eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting design problem, right? Like, you don't want to overload your menus, but also 0.1% of people will ever even think to try to hold the option key. While I'd been using macOS for years before I discovered that was a thing on accident. Yeah. Yep. Frustrating. How about this one, Marshall? Isn't it just a little bit weird? I don't know. It's not really frustrating. It's just weird that if you want to look at your notifications on macOS, you click the time. <laughs> yeah. Weird. That All is right. weird. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, it, I guess it makes some kind of sense. I don't know. Because it's the only, it's the clickableest thing to the right, which is where that sheet pops out from, like the but little But didn't they that... used to have a dedicated icon? It was like a little menu icon, almost a hamburger, right? Yeah. I think it was like a, like a view list type bulleted yeah. list icon. And they got rid of that and they put it behind the time. Yeah. I don't know. Here, here's a pro tip for you. Let's tie all these together. If you hold option and click the time, it puts you in do not disturb. So that's a pro tip for all you people who are uh, maybe about to share your screen and you don't want to drill through that little control center menu, just option click the time. Holy shit. I didn't know that. That's <gasps> awesome. I taught Marshall something. Yes. Yeah, I had no idea. That's great. Well, let's stick around notification center for our last little piece of rantage here. And I think it's gotten better in most recent builds, but the clear all X hover thing on each of those uh, notification stacks, uh-huh. like the that the hide and seek game that I have to play with this fucking thing every time. Like, does it bother you too, Brian? Every interactive button in Notification Center on Mac OS is playing a little game of tag with me. Yeah, it's whack-a-mole. Uh, my mouse gets a little bit close. It goes, nope, I'm going to hide. Bye. <laughs> the little X, uh, any actions on the thing, the clear all X, the way it expands and collapses, every single button there, I think it's just a joke, right? They must have programmed it, and it's like, as mouse distance approaches zero, disappear. <laughs> and then after the third try, they're like, all right, we got them good. Now we can actually let the button work. <laughs> yeah, too high, too low. Uh <laughs> Yeah, man, I, f- I feel like it's this game of whack-a-mole or, or musical chairs or something where I'm chasing this X around. There used to, I, f- I feel like there was like a website where there was a dialog box that said, you know, okay, or, you know, next, and it would always run away from the cursor no matter how fast you move the cursor. Well, that was like, um, there was, oh man, let me see if I can dig up links for these in the show notes. There's one website that was designed the most unusable volume slider. Did you ever see that thread? Oh boy. No, but I can imagine. It was very funny. It was like... Uh, oh, I think I have seen this. Yeah, it's the worst, like all the worst patterns, like anti-patterns that you could possibly think Design of. the worst way to change volume. And then there was another one that was like using websites in 2020 or 2021. I think it might have come out last year. But it, it would be one of those things where, okay, you go to this website and a little pop-up appears. Like, do you want to sign up for the newsletter? And then the little cookie banner comes up. And then you try and close something and you get an alert that says, you're about to leave. Are you sure you want to leave? And it's just layering all of these dark patterns from the web and, and annoying things that have accumulated. Uh, and it made it really fun. It was like a game. I think the game was to like try and sign up for the service, but it would keep interrupting you with those kinds of things that we've just come to live with. So I'll see if I can find a link to that one. I don't know if I will be able to remember the name. Well, that was quite a list, Brian. All in good fun. We we ranted and complained. I don't know. But, you know, Marshall, funny enough, we didn't complain about any of our stuff. Everything I've ever designed, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Flawless. <laughs> I've never in made a mistake way. in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, this was a fun little event session. If you have uh, your own frustrations, dear listener, uh, please tweet at us. We'd love to. We can do some follow-up next week. I don't think we'll linger on this too long, but maybe there's some other good ones. Tweet at us, DM us, let us know if there's other things that are really bugging you with modern software. And uh, thanks again for the prompt on this one. James, this was a fun fun list to put together. Yeah, good question. Okay, cool things? Cool things. You go first. Okay, this week my cool thing is a third-party calendar app for macOS. It's called Cron. Like Tron with a C? Like Tron, but with a C. Except in computer nerdland, cron is like um, you know, like a cron job, cron- chronology. I would have expected an H in there between that C and that R, though. Yeah, but cr- it's very weird. That it's URL was weird. taken? No, cr- they got cron.com. Well, I guess without the H. Anyways, if you look up like cron job, it's spelled without an H, even though I think it's referencing chronology, which has an H. It's very strange. Anyways, cron, C-R-O-N.com. They got a great domain, uh, third-party calendar app. A couple things that I particularly like about it. So the first is it looks great, feels native, surprisingly not native. Uh, it is actually Electron, which might turn some purists off, but uh, it's very smooth, looks great. They have this really cool feature where you can create a scheduling snippet of availability. And so the way it works is you press a button. Everything's keyboard shortcut driven, so you can just press the key S and it will prompt you to share your uh, availability. And what you do is you just drag little zones on your calendar. Like, these are the times that I can meet with you. 
And what it does is it generates a text snippet for you that you can copy right to your clipboard and paste it in an email or whatever. And it will hold those spots on your calendar until, you know, whoever you're arranging with says this. Anyways, I know all these like Calendly Savvy Cal tools exist where it like sort of productizes that flow, but there is a a healthy group of people who think that that feels too impersonal or, or almost cold. Like here's linked my calendar, schedule time on your own. But instead, this sort of makes the flow of, I'm going to share my availability with just a few drags and just generate that snippet really quickly. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, I guess everything else is like really just the keyboard shortcuts. Like they just keyboard shortcut everything. So it's a fun app to use. Looks great. Uh, I've been using it for a few weeks. I have a couple of invites. So uh, maybe if first couple of people who hear this and DM me, I'll try and get you an invite. And if I don't reply, it's not because I don't like you. It's just because uh, probably I'm out of invites. So yeah, Kron. Is it free? It is free right now. I don't know how they're going to monetize yet. Yeah, early access. Cool thing. I feel like this is in line with your like third-party email app that you recommended recently. Tempo? MimeStream, yeah. Oh, MimeStream. Tempo was another email app that I loved that unfortunately got shut down. And so that's why I switched over to MimeStream. MimeStream. Sorry, it's hard to keep mm-hmm. them all straight, Brian. So many apps. So many apps, yeah. I just use Gmail like a pleb. Nerd. All right. My cool thing this week is a physical product, Brian. Have you heard of the company 12 South? Yeah, I have. In fact, I think I own something from them, but I don't know what it is. Maybe a phone stand or something? Yeah, that's that's about their pace. Yeah, they they've been around for quite a while, and they're known for making Apple accessory products, so things to use. So like, yeah, phone stands, MacBook stands, uh, phone cases, you know, AirPod cases, stuff like that. And uh, a product that they recently announced, I think it's pretty new, is for an Apple Watch. So it's basically a sweatband that you can pop your Apple Watch body into, and it functions what? as the band. What? Link in the show notes. This looks ridiculous. So here's what's interesting is I wear sweatbands on my wrists when I'm working, like throughout the day. Not because I'm working up a sweat so much as I'm constantly shifting my hands around the the desk, the keyboard, like from the trackpad to the keyboard, back to the trackpad, back and forth. And my precious little tender wrist skin gets a little (laughs) bit rubbed raw. I know. Little baby soft wrists getting rubbed on the desk. My my precious wrist. Skin, so uh, I rare. I used to wear like like a compression glove that had a little like gel bump at the wrist, um, uh-huh. but that was like it covered so much of my hand it would get sweaty and it didn't breathe very well. So I was like, what could I use? And I was like, ah, oh, I can just buy some like sweatbands off of Amazon for ten bucks and use those. Um, so I've been doing this for a long time. It is like a really good way to keep my wrist from getting rubbed raw throughout the day because I work so dang hard, Brian. And uh, mm-hmm. when I saw this, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I'll be able to you know, have both of my sweatbands on without having to compete with my watch where it sits on my wrist as well. So, uh, And sometimes, like, I don't know about you, but if you have the sport band, it's got that little metal nub that sits out. Yeah. Uh, my partner, her laptop to oh, the left of the track scratches. is yeah. scratched to all hell. So this is a nice way to get around that. It's a nice soft cloth, right? But anyways, check it out. It's like 30 bucks, which isn't too terrible. It's like both bands and it works either way. So like if you're right hand or left hand, doesn't matter. Dude, this company sells some buck wild products. Yeah. Yeah. Not all of it's for, for me, but a few of the things they've made are worth buying. Yeah. They make AirFly. Like some of these are, like, yeah, AirFly. That's what yeah. I was just looking at. Like plug it into your Bluetooth transmitter for airplanes. I have one of those. It's great. Use it. They have a new one for Switch because Switch, for some reason, doesn't have Bluetooth built in for wireless headphones, crazily. Airfly Pro Switch Edition. Shit. Wow. Okay. Uh, all right. Links in the show notes for, for holiday shoppers. Yeah. There's some yeah, stuff generally here, for 12 South, yeah, if you have an Apple fan boy or girl in your life, then this is a good thing for accessories. They're all pretty relatively affordable. I, I actually just purchased the... Um, it's a, a shell that goes around your keyboard and your trackpad to keep them together so you can move them as one. Um, I just picked that up. I'll let you know how that goes. But Interesting. The sweatbands are great. Here's one I like. It's called Stoner, and it's a oh. stone mm-hmm. that has an etching out for mm-hmm. a MagSafe charger. <laughs> that was an April Fool's joke that they actually ended up really? making into a real product. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of cool, actually. It looks nice. <laughs> 
Yeah. I guess. There's only 274 remaining, so if that's your thing, yeah, get it while the getting's good. I think it's a relatively small company. Like They're run by just a few people, so they, they do weird stuff like that and make some interesting products. But yeah, 12 South uh, Action Bands are what these things are called. Cool. All right. Uh, well, that's cool things. That's the episode. This was 422 of Design Details. Hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought. Of course, we're always on Twitter, at Design Details FM. If you have your own topic that you want to hear us dig into in future episodes, like today's uh, suggestion from James about talking about our frustrations with modern software, head over to our GitHub. Go to github.com slash design details slash design details. Open an issue. Give us a prompt. Ask us a question. Hopefully we can dig into it in a future episode. Of course, huge shout outs to Patreon for making this episode possible in a couple of ways. First, uh, they're sponsoring the show because they're hiring. They're looking for product designers to join them in San Francisco or New York City to lead the design of all of their creative tools. It's a small team, huge impact, tons of leverage. Go join them today. You can learn more about the roles at designdetails.fm slash Patreon. Uh, We have more links to learn about Patreon in our show notes. And of course, uh, Patreon makes this show possible by uh, helping people subscribe to our our very own Patreon account. If you go to patreon.com slash designdetails, you'll get taken to our Patreon page where for just a buck a month, just a buck a month, you get access to our double app bonus content for supporters called the Sidebar. Sidebar, Sidebar. Be sure to uh, subscribe. You'll get access to this week's Sidebar where we talk about design challenges in interviews. Once again, that's patreon.com slash design details. That's it. We'll see you next week. Bye. You're an iOS user. You are downloading a third-party Reddit app. Yeah, you're probably pretty Here narrow. <laughs> Here's your sign. Uh-huh. Can we start a Jeff Foxworthy series? All right. Uh, <laughs> I think that's uh, Bill. What's his face? No, I thought Jeff Fox. Now he's the. You might be a redneck if. Oh. Here's your sign as the Bill. I can't keep those blue-collar boys straight. <laughs> <laughs> Get her done. Get her done. Here's your sign. Mm -hmm. Tater salad. You might be a redneck. (laughs) Wow, you got them all. Did did I run through them all? I know my blue collar. I mean, they fucking crushed it. Good for them. (laughs) All these years later and we still remember it.